All right. Communication. In the series, we're looking at our, our goal in the series is to um, uh, show us how God expects us to talk to each other. So you just can't talk to each other any kind of way. <laughs> we can't talk to any to ourselves to each other any kind of way, and but we do that. We do that. And um, last week we talked about to <laughs> somebody is pointing at their wife wants me to wants me to say it again. Um, and so uh, last week we talked about fighting fair. I like I like that we can have fun in church. Um, we talked about fighting fair part one. This week we are talking about fighting fair part two. When the gloves come off. When the gloves come off, don't y'all know it's hard when someone takes the gloves off in the communication when it when you're trying to be nice and yet they're being ugly. Do y'all have do you find it hard to be a Christian then? You know, you need you really need that Jesus juice to, to kick in. Um, <laughs> I know for me anyway, when, when the gloves come off, when the gloves come off, what are we talking about? When the gloves come off, the gloves off is an idiom. Um, which means to stop being civil, and it's the intent of winning it, winning a dispute at any cost. You know, you're going to do whatever you can to uh, have your way or to be heard. An idiom, in case this is new to somebody, an idiom is a common word or phrase used in a figurative sense, not a literal sense. So, in other words, if I said, um, you get on my nerves, well, you can't get on my nerves literally, but... It really means you're irritating me, right? Or, or, or if I said, if I said, get off my back, I mean, you may, you may not be physically on my back, but but it, it may mean stop bothering me, stop bothering me. So this idioms, you know, when we use a word or phrase, that's that's what an idiom is. It's it's used in a figurative sense, um, and so that's what we want to talk about today. Getting um, when the gloves come off and when you're going to use the idiom. So our focus today is to show you how to conduct yourselves. Everybody say, how to conduct myself? myself. When the gloves come off. Yes, yes, yes. That's what we're talking about today. When our communication breaks down and the gloves come off, what do we do? Do we go back to acting how we used to be before we knew Jesus? Oh, some of y'all lying in church. Y'all are doing like this. Some of y'all lying in church because, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, so when it comes to conflict, when it comes to conflict, church, um, even in the relationships we value, we usually tend to fight fire with fire. Um, and, and, and some of y'all have a, a Ph.D. and get them back. I know my wife does. <laughs> she has. <laughs> that's, that's not a player hater degree. That's 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 a, a place hands on them degree. <laughs> See, when it comes to get them back, you know, we want to fight fire with fire. You know, that's an idiom, too. That idiom goes all the way back to the 1800s, fighting fire with fire. So people always want to get back. And, and, and it's, it's our tendency to do that. It means to use the same tactics as, our, as your aggressor. That's what it means to fight fire with fire. The last thing we should do when it comes to our conversations, when it comes to communication, good communication, the last thing you want to do is retaliate. When someone is being ugly, if you're a believer. Now, if you don't love Jesus and want to be known as a Christian, then you can just be yourself. Everybody say, be yourself. 
But if you love Jesus, you got to be like him, right? Can I get a good amen? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So usually, no one gets anywhere by starting with accusations and slander. What you get is their defense when you do that, when something happens to you. Um, Amy Atchison, who's with the kids, I believe, right now, right? Amy uh, was a kindergarten teacher for years. She's a great, she's gifted with with teaching kids, and I'm glad we have her teaching kids here. But Amy Atchison, who teaches kindergarten, she has this saying that she used to say, and I still, she, I believe she believes it, too, because Lexi, Lexi still says it today. She says to the kids in kindergarten, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Right? And so when she would take them out to Chick-fil-A on trips and stuff like that, you know, the kids wanted to do something, you know, they wanted certain things. They wanted to sit certain places. They wanted to have certain things, and she taught them, and they, Lexi taught us, you get what you get from Miss Atchison. You get what you get. And you don't throw a fit. Now, Anthony, that works okay for kindergarten. But, but when you're adulting, when you're, when you're an adult, it, that don't work. You know, I'm, I'm like, tell me something positive. I got to have some positive stuff to go with. I can't, I can't, I can't get that. You know, when, if, if you get what you get, you be able to get the other side of me. And you're going to throw a fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway. We need something positive to work with. We just can't just give whatever attitude we want. Research, research has shown the best way to resolve conflict is to start conversations with something positive. Yeah. So in a marriage, it sounds like this. In a marriage, it sounds like starting a conversation with something positive like I love you or um, you mean a lot to me. And it helps best if you hold hands, you know, starting a conversation, you know, to keep things from being so tense. You know, starts best to hold hands and, you know, hey, babe, um, you mean a lot to me, but when you wear it out, you know, no, 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 <laughs> no, but start, start with something positive, you know, ease the conversation and then say, you know, you know, I was kind of hurt by what was said, you know, when it comes to whatever, um, or this, this is how I feel, you know, start, ease the conversation down so you, so you don't, you know, get your fit (laughs) um when when it comes to when it comes to um the people that we care about relationships we value outside of marriage you can say something like this if you're talking to a friend hey i'm on your team jay i'm on your team um but hey let's let's look at it this way Or, or or maybe you can say hey um i appreciate your point carmen i appreciate your point but um this is this is what I'd like to share with what happened, about what happened. Still, you can find something positive. You know, give someone positive words, and then you should be able to share anything you got to share in love, right? And not get the fit. Okay, okay. But when a conversation goes south, it's hard to be positive, and we all will say amen to that. It's hard to be positive when a conversation goes south. Um, but we have to remember who we are. Who are we? We're children we're children of the king right so tiffany's going to come and she's going to give us scripture for that she's going to help us with how do we how do we how do we handle people when the conversation goes south when the gloves when the gloves come off how do we handle that what do we do what do we do when we take the gloves off when the conversation goes south give us scripture for that because i need scripture to make sure i'm doing it the right way a good scripture to keep before you soak it in you Meditate on it, 
whatever you call it. It's Romans 12, 8. And it says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Now, that doesn't say do some of what you can to live in peace. That doesn't say when you feel like living in peace, then live in peace. Otherwise, just let it be whatever it's going to be. It says do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. But now, wait a minute. We're talking about living in peace with everybody. And we know we had, we, last week we talked about you have conflict with everybody because conflict's just in the world. So you're going to have conflict, not just with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your church members. You're going to have conflict because it's just everywhere and people want to fight. So how, I mean, it's hard to live in peace. And we're talking about taking the gloves off, right? So if you're honest, the last thing, I'll speak for myself. I will not put anything on anyone else. The last thing for me that I want to do in response when someone takes the gloves off with me is to live in peace. I don't want to live in peace. I want to live at the level that you came at me with. I don't want to take the high road. I don't want to be the bigger person. I want to be an infant. (laughs) And I don't know anything. And I want to go at the level of what you came to me. But I know this verse tells me, do all that I can do to live in peace. And also, Marshall said last week, and it's a good thing to remember, It's okay when you have conflict. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to get angry. But what you don't have the right to do is to act outside your Christian character. That's one thing you don't have the right to do. You need to stay in your Christian character. And that's what Paul's intent with this verse was, to teach believers about their Christian conduct. So what do you do when people that you're in conflict with, they take the gloves off? And what we mean by taking the gloves off is they start cussing at you. Oh, I'm sorry. We're all Christians. We don't cuss. When we're mad, we don't we don't say those words. We don't yell. Yes, we do. Some cuss, some yell, some do avoiding. I'm just going to avoid you. I'm going to give you the silent treatment because you don't deserve my words. I mean, I'm just being honest. That's what we do. We can act like we don't, but that's what we do. We also sit there and we belittle one another. Oh, you think you all that? You ain't. Mm, ain't what? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> You're nothing. Sometimes we're unapproachable. Being non-approachable, that is the same thing as taking the gloves off. Because anytime you have an issue with someone and they, they just have this stance of just... I got this chip. Come on, just knock it off. It's harder to go and approach that person. So that's a way of taking the gloves off. And something else I was thinking about that just kept coming up in my spirit to say is it's easy to take the gloves off, too, when you start involving outside people that don't need to be in whatever's going on in the conflict. A lot of times we get conflict, and I'm going to go with my girlfriend, Danielle, girl, let me tell you what Marshall did to me. And if you don't have the right person that you're confiding in, they may be like, girl, I wouldn't take that. You need to go home, and you need to tell him he need to get right or get left. <laughs> and then I go home, and I say, well, you need to get right or you need to get left. 
I took, I took the gloves off because of what a friend said. So a lot of times you have to be careful of who you include in, in your conflict. Sometimes you don't need to include anyone because a lot of people will just escalate the situation. They won't de-escalate it. So the verse recognizes that while you may not be able to avoid conflict, don't let yourself be the reason for an unpeaceful relationship with another person. You don't have to be that reason. So you shouldn't do wrong things to or towards people, even if they're doing wrong to you. And I know that that's hard. But a lot of times I feel like it's so easy for us to throw the gloves off and it's so easy for us to go below the belt. And the reason why people don't live in peace today is because, let's be honest, you're going to violate what you don't value. If I have no value in you, I'm going to violate you. And I know for many years I didn't value myself, so I did things that violated myself. So you'll do the same thing with people that you're in conflict with. If you don't value them, you'll violate them. Violate meaning to break or to fail to comply with. You fail to respect, fail to respect, or you treat something that is supposed to be sacred with irreverence or disrespect. Let me give you an example because a lot of people are like, I don't know what you mean by that. If your spouse comes to you and says, I don't like that you hang out with your friends all the time so late. And then he turns around and he keeps hanging out with his friends late. Mm -mm. You shouldn't do that. If you have a friend that comes to you and says, hey, you know, you really hurt my feelings when you always tease me about my outfits that that I wear. I like them, but you always have something to say. You hurt my feelings. And then that person turns around and they continue to tease you about the outfits that you wear. There's something wrong in that. You have to look at, is this person really valuing me? Is this person really valuing how I feel? Is this person really caring how I feel? So a lot of times we will do that because we just don't value things. Um, So when you care about a person or a relationship that you're in, you're going to do everything that you can to make the person feel loved, make them to feel appreciated, heard, and understood. Anybody that you love, those are easy things to do. If you truly love them, it's easy to love. It's easy to appreciate. It's easy to let them be heard, and it's easy to understand. That's all easy stuff. So living, in pe- living peaceful in conflict can be hard, but it can be obtained if you truly value the person or the relationship. And the bottom line is, is it just takes a lot of practice. It really does. When you get conflict and these gloves come off, it takes practice every single time to say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to revert to this infant that I want to and give them what they just gave me. Because at the end of the day, what are you really solving? You're just both up here on level 100. Everybody's yelling. Everybody's mad. Nothing's getting accomplished. And then you're going to walk away mad. And then you're going to put it in you and you're going to let it sit and you're going to let it stew. And I ain't going to forget that. And I ain't going to forget him. And and I'm not going to forgive her. That's all we do with that. So it's best when you're in conflict to just stay calm and just to stay at an even tone. And it takes work. It's not anything that's going to happen overnight, especially if you're used to fighting 10, 12 years 
I usually try to tell people, however long you were doing something the wrong way, give God that same amount of time to do it the right way. To just sit there and say, no, I'm done. No, I'm throwing in the towel. No, I don't want, shame on you. Because you gave the world 15 years. So you can't give God a good six months? That, that's something wrong with that. So I know I can hear somebody saying right now, well, I can't control if somebody else takes the gloves off, Miss Till. No, you can't. You can't control what another person does. You can't control another person's actions. The only person's actions you can control is yourself. You can't control anybody. If you don't try to find ways to live in peace during conflict, that person may find peace without you by walking away. Some may be fine with that, but if you're not fine with that, then you really have to be able to find where you can find a peaceful common ground. And like I said, it takes practice to be able to get there. So pastor's going to come and he's going to tell us the importance of peaceful connections with one another. Good stuff, babe. Uh, I heard someone say before that sometimes peace comes in with, on two legs. You know, sometimes people are your peace. You know, Jesus, first of all, first and foremost, is our peace. Don't get it twisted with what I'm saying. Jesus is our peace. But sometimes you can be around the like-minded people and find peace. So peace comes in on two legs, but peace also leaves on two legs. And sometimes it's your two legs leaving the situation. Anyway, anyway that's for free. Um, so, um, wow. Um, peaceful living is important because it connects us. Everybody say connect. It connects us. In his book, Relational Intelligence, Dr. Darius Daniels, he, he has something to say about peaceful connections. He says that we aren't our best selves just because we are connected to God. It messed me up. Um, we aren't our best selves simply because we're connected to God. We, we, we were also created to be in healthy connection with each other. Just because you're a Christian and you're connected to him, but if you're not connected to them, there's a problem. There's a problem. So connections enable us to produce things and to be productive in ways that we wouldn't be had we not had those connections. Oh, my gosh. Are y'all getting that? So, so you know, have you ever had a relationship with somebody, whatever, that you, you, they distressed you, they developed you, and because of them, you are doing things now that you would have never have done before, or maybe they've pushed you before into progress? So sometimes connection, connections is God's way of using you or using them to help you be productive in ways that you would have never have been productive before. When I was in the Navy, when they needed someone to instruct and teach and do th- different things and go to represent the admin office, I, 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 I wouldn't have done it on my own, but it was, it was people that were looking out for me in my best interest that saw something in me, and they pushed me because they knew I could talk. They didn't know I was shy, but they knew I knew how to talk well. And so they pushed me. They pushed me into progress. They pushed me into productivity. And so our connections do the same thing. Let me give you the bonnet breakdown for that. The Bible is a textbook when it comes to relational intelligence. 
when it comes to relational challenges, the Bible is a textbook. What, what do I mean, a textbook? Um, in the relationships we value, Scripture teaches us that when our communication, when our communication complements our behavior, our behavior also complements our connections with others. I'll say that again. I think it'll be on the screen. When our communications complement our behavior, our behavior also complements our connections with others. So what I'm saying to you is your behavior has to match your communication. People relate you as, as, uh, as a Christ follower when they see your behavior and when they see the complement of how you communicate. So, in other words, you could communicate the right way. Oh, pray. how you doing? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you just act, you're just fighting everybody on your job. You just, you just, you just fighting everybody. You're looking for a fight. Your behavior is not matching. Or vice versa. You could be just nice and nice and just, you know, every, you be passive and, and, and be that good person or whatever. But you talk negative about yourself and everybody. And that people will see that also and say, something's off with that. They, they seem nice, but yet they talk ugly. They're not approachable. They're mean. Um, your behavior must complement. So when we talk about when the gloves come off, I, I'm giving you this for a reason. Because I said the Bible is a textbook. Everybody say textbook. The Bible is a textbook when it comes to relational intelligence. So we started off in Romans 12. And we're going to go back to Romans 12. Romans 12, 9 reminds us that when it comes to our connection with others, the church is still is still called to to respond with Christ like character. Even when people take the gloves off. You're still called to do it, even though someone's being ugly to you, you're still called to be nice to them. Oh, man, I'm giving you scripture for that. Um, Romans 12, 9 says this. Don't just pretend. Matter of fact, let me let Tiff give those. Give the give the first five. For us. Romans 12, 9. Romans 12, 9 says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Okay, speak to that. Speak to that. I think we all know what that, <laughs> what that is. <laughs> we have all, at one point or another, doesn't necessarily have to be currently now, but we've all, at one point or another, Act like we love somebody. And sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Because if you don't at least try to start loving them and stop pretending, then you'll never get there. So sometimes you do have to fake it till you make it. But our goal is to really love people. And one thing that me and Marshall say is we love them where they're at and get them to where they need to be. That's the goal. Verse 10 says to love each other with genuine affection genuine affection not fake affection not genuine affection people can tell when things aren't genuine you can give somebody a handshake and it's like "Mm, they didn't mean that they didn't really want to speak to me they didn't really want to talk to me so you can definitely tell just in your interactions with people if things are genuine or if they're non-genuine so love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Oh, my goodness. Take delight in honoring each other. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a hard time just honoring, you surely aren't going to take delight in the person. <laughs> yeah. So we have to take delight in honoring each other. 
Oh, verse 11, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. That's another thing that's hard. And I, I look at things like this. Things that you do to God is probably going to be things that you do to people. Ways that you connect with God is going to be ways that you connect with people. Ways that you talk to God is going to be ways you talk to people. You don't go to God and just, you, you know what? I'm just, I'm done with it. You don't do Some of us won't even be honest with God and say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm mad right now. I'm mad at you. I'm upset. And this is why. We won't even be honest with our feelings like we think we did. He doesn't know anyway. But a lot of times... We're lazy. We don't want to work hard in relationships. We don't want to work hard to serve the Lord. Again, what you do with the Lord, it'll show with how you do with people. That's just the bottom line. So never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Well, I don't really like the word patient because I hear a lot of people say, oh, I prayed for patience. Eh. That's why you have all of the the challenges that's coming against you today. Don't pray for patience because God's going to say, okay, you prayed for patience. So, therefore, I'm going to give you everything I can throw at you to teach you to be patient. Just ask God to help you to deal with whatever you're dealing with. Verse 12 is when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And, you know, in the situation and the time with what's going on with my parents, there's been so many people in here that have reached out to us, reached out to them, went by to visit them, taken them food. And that's, and that's just showing God's love. And it's showing, verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And so many people have helped in so many ways. And it doesn't, and people think a lot of times when you hear things like this, when people are in need, be ready to help them. It could be something so small, just even saying, hello, I love you. I'm praying for you. Sometimes that's all a person needs. They don't need anything big. Just sending them a note, I'm thinking about you today. You don't have to feel like, oh, well, I got to make them dinner, take them a dessert, get some flowers, get some cards, get chocolates. No, it doesn't take all of that. The smallest things can be so big to someone because you never know what somebody's going through. So the first five verses teach us how to handle people we worship with within the church. The next eight, Marshall is going to come and he's gonna, it's going to teach us how to handle difficult people inside and outside the church. Oh, we don't have difficult people inside the church, Pastor Marshall. Yes, we do. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to come and give us the next eight verses, and it's going to tell us how to handle that. Yes, wow. Is that good, everybody? Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Tiff. Oh, man. So when it comes to taking the gloves off and dealing with difficult people, when it comes to handling conflict, man, remember, the scripture says that we should have our behavior match our communication as Christians, right? Yes, Pastor? <laughs> okay, okay. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Stop texting. Um, 
Bless those who persecute you. Verse 14 says, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When people have offended you, when people have hurt you or avoided you, whatever the conflict may be that you're feeling in your spirit with somebody else, the hardest thing to do is to bless them. One of the one of the instrumental things that God showed me growth in um, not trying to brag because it, it, it came it came in after a while. Um, when I was in the Navy, again, um, I had someone that I worked with that was really over me and that was really um, kind of a taskmaster. And um, we got to the place because I was good at what I was asked to do. I was picked on and put out there in front a lot. And I didn't like it at the time. I didn't know what God was doing, but I didn't like it. And um, I felt like you know, why is he, why is he picking on me? Why is he always asking me? Why is he always picking me? What, you know, why, 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 why to God, you know, God and I talk like that. I I give him the real Marshall. Um, because I'm like, if you caught me, then you knew what you were getting. So I'm like, I don't like this guy. I even told God in my prayers, I was like, I, I, I don't like, I know it's, I know it's mean to say, but I don't like, have you ever not liked somebody? Because our conversation was going so crazy, I was like, I, God, you know, you know how I really feel. I don't like him. In fact, I kind of hate him. And God took and broke me down, broke me down like I was in the fourth grade. And, and, and I want to say probably like two weeks of praying and crying and praying and crying. And God finally said, you got to pray for him. And this is, how, this is how it broke for me. This is how it changed for me. I was able to say, Lord, bless his family, because I heard him talk about his family. So I knew he was married. I said, Lord, bless his son that's over in college. Didn't feel like it. Hated him. But bless him. And then after a while, was Tiff was saying, fake it till you make it. After a while, over two weeks, I was able to gladly say, Lord, be with his marriage. As I'm driving in, be with his marriage. Give him confidence. I hope that he got sleep enough so he can lead us right today. And it shifted. But at first, I didn't want to do it, but I was still like, Lord, bless him. Be with him. And then after a while, my feelings caught up with my communication. And that's when one day something, we were talking and whatever, and and I had Bible study. Jay would come in there sometimes, and we would go down to to um, to the print shop with where our big spiritual brother Hayes Ray and we would go down there and 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 usually he would block my my time with a task and then all of a sudden he started giving me favor and giving me free time to do stuff and and God put it on my heart the first time that happened and said because you were obedient and you're able to pray for him and now your feelings have caught up so bless those who persecute you don't curse them pray that God will bless them and mean it but remember, it won't be like that at first. Um, verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Some of y'all are really good at that. But the second, the first half y'all are, but the second half we still need to work on. We're happy. We're rejoicing with those that are rejoicing. We're, we're happy. You know, I was talking to Donald briefly before service and Sherry gave him a hug. He's like, oh, man, I saw on Facebook your, your trip and your, your anniversary. By the way, happy anniversary again. Um, and I was like, man, y'all, did y'all save some sun out there for us? You know, it's good to say that and celebrate and be happy with people you know, when you see them enjoying things. But also when you see that something went south, when you see that something is not as pleasant, 
Sometimes we just need to come in and scoot up next to them and, and let them know that you're there. You may not know what they say, but I'm here. I'm here. This is, let me remind you, this is, this passage is talking, Paul is, Paul is giving instructions for those inside and outside the church. Remember, what, what is the one, of the thing I, one of the things I've always said? We have to practice in private what we want to perfect in public. So we got to practice it in our homes, and then we can do it in the church. And then when we practice it privately in the church, then we can do it on the job, at Walmart, and di- at different places when we run into difficult people. Okay. Verse 16. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to beg. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Some, sometimes I hear music, and sometimes it, I, I don't know if that was the if that was TLC, if that was the Temptations, or if that was the Tempter. Um, I ain't too proud to beg. I'm gonna leave that. Though. I'm gonna leave that alone. Somebody's recording this, right? I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave that alone. I'm gonna leave it alone. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of uh, ordinary people. <laughs> Don't be too proud to enjoy. Sometimes it's just people want to hang out with the pastor, but take somebody else to lunch. Don't be too proud to hang out with ordinary people. One one of the things that someone taught me, I I can't remember where the the communication came from initially, but one of the things someone taught me and it stayed with me was like, wherever you are working, acknowledge custodian acknowledge the custodian what what do you mean by that pastor let me help you with that notice everybody the ordinary and the extraordinary however you want to classify them live in harmony with each other don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all I'm going to leave that alone verse 17 Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Um, Just because someone's evil to us um, on the job doesn't mean we get them back. And sometimes I get back is the eyes. You know how we can look at people. The, The look of you better not even come over here in case you can't see through the glasses. Sometimes we, have, we can have an evil look that warns people, you better stay back. And, and, and I, I read somewhere in Scripture that, that I think it's in Old Testament where, where it talks about the countenance and, the, and a proud look and, and, and how uh, uh, your look God sees. Did y'all know that? Okay, I'm going to leave it alone. Do all, verse 18, verse 18 is, our, is our foundational verse. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So we've, we already covered that. Verse 19, do, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. I want you to know. And then the rest, it talks about how the, when you want to re- give reven- get revenge, remember that we have to understand that revenge is... God's business not yours he sees when people mishandle you oh man somebody needs to hear that 
God sees when someone mishandles you. And I trust, I trust that he sees that. So when people mishandle you, when they misuse you, mis, uh, uh, misunderstand you, and they share that, however they, however they handle you in the wrong way, trust that God sees it. And he says, I will take care of that. Sometimes, sometimes I do this. I challenge you to do this. Sometimes privately when I'm struggling with something that somebody's done, I just look to him and say, you see that? It helps me. It's a simple thing, but it, re- it reminds me to trust him. And I'll just say, I'll be driving sometime. I'm like, you see that? It's not like he says, yes, Marshall. <laughs> but it helps me. It helps me to, to do what I'm supposed to do. Verse 20. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. When you are kind to those who mistreat you, I tell you, that's God's business. God, it says, will heap burning coals of shame on their head. In other words, they'll be thinking about you in ways that they didn't want to think about you. And they'll be so moved and so burning so much to help you and do something for you because you, you are showing that Jesus-like character that they can't, they're not going to be able to take it. Verse 21, our last verse. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with doing good. Pastor, how do I conquer evil again? Conquer evil by doing good. Uh, these verses remind us of the, how Jesus handled Judas. Do y'all remember that? Oh, man. Think, think about it. In the, in the Gospels, Jesus washed Judas' feet. Now, that might not seem significant to you, but Jesus put him in charge of the money. And the very thing that he was in charge of, he used to betray Jesus. He was in charge of the money. He was in charge of the money, carrying the purse. And that the very thing, when, when, when it came down to the assignment of Jesus being, being pointed out and abused and, and on the cross and, and going, to a, going to death before he would rise again later down the road, Jesus, Judas took the money and said, I'll point him out if you pay me. And so Jesus washed his feet knowing that he would be the one to betray him. Mm. But when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, Jesus didn't point him out. Mm -mm. He announced him. What do I mean by that? He didn't point him out. I know what you're about to do. I know you're no good. I know that Satan's entered your heart right now. He didn't point him out. He announced him. He said, this is the one who's going to betray me. The one who's about to betray me, I'm about to give this bread to. And he took bread and he broke it. And he gave that broken bread, which would be a, a symbolic move of who he was. And he gave him something to eat. And then he told him, go do what you got to do. Oh, man, this, 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 is, this is important, y'all. So that tells us our connections serves a purpose. 
to communicate God-like character. Oh, man, I, I knew you wouldn't get it. I knew you wouldn't get it. For Jesus, the purpose was to push him to be the broken bread that he would be for the redeeming of the world. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all still didn't get it. This, this means when it comes to difficult connections, we still have to be available to give something back. So when it comes to overcoming conflict, remember Jesus overcame death and it, removed, it removes any excuse for us and any inability that we may have to fight fair. So anything we do, we should be able to tag it back to Jesus. What would Jesus do? How, do Jesus, how would Jesus say this? How did Jesus handle his most difficult relationship? And when I looked at the scriptures, that was Judas. He still gave him something to eat. He still washed his feet. And then he told him to go fulfill his assignment. Because some people come into your life only to be the assignment to God push you until you get it where God pushes you into progress. Some people come as a project for you. But in order to reduce conflict in a God-honoring way, you must have a relationship with God. You must have a relationship with God. And so, see, sometimes we think just because we know God and we come to church and we're, we're, um, I say know God. I'm not saying that you have a relationship with God. But we know God and we come to church and we never said, Jesus, you know, I accept you into my heart. I believe you are my Lord and Savior. When we've never said it, then we think that, then we're good. And sometimes things don't work out just because you think you're good. And it's not enough to know God. You have to have a relationship with God. There has to be a time where you say, God, I'm depending on you. From here on forward, I'm depending on you. And then when you do that, when you submit yourself to God that way, then and only then does God start working in you, working in you, to give you strength to do what you cannot do, to start pushing you to be what you would normally not be, to start bringing people in. I heard T.D. Jake say this before, that some people come into our lives like scaffolding. They're temporary. And when the building, when, you're, when you become what you're supposed to be, when you start to look like you're supposed to, put, supposed to look, then, the, then the, scaffolding, the, the scaffolding is taken away. You don't have a beautiful building that's, that's erected, that's, that's, that's in place, and it still has the scaffolding around it because the project is complete, right? So sometimes our connection although they're difficult, will be the thing that pushes us into purpose. But it starts with knowing him. And so I want to challenge you. Some of your faces I've seen all all year so far. Oh, this is only February. (laughs) But I've seen your faces all year. But I never, I never, I never, I never assume that you have a relationship with Christ. But what I do is I look and I ask God, is their behavior matching how they communicate? It's not enough to just talk it if you don't walk it. And if you're not talking and walking it, then that means you haven't accepted him yet. Because you'll get wore out and we'll see the other, we'll see the other you. The gloves will come off and we'll see the other you. And you'll see the other marshal. But Do you have a real relationship with Christ? Would you stand with me?
That's the question on the floor. Do you have a real relationship with Christ? Because God will use his, the people that are his. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you, think about what pastor's asking you. How's your relationship? Do you have a real relationship with him? The reason why we as preachers ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, no one looking around, is because I want you to have that encounter with him. And it's nobody else's business. But my job is to assist him. So I need to know. If you, if you have accepted Christ at some point in your life, listen to me, church. I normally don't do this often. But if you have accepted Christ and you know that you have accepted Christ at some point in your life, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me see your hands go up. You have a relationship with Christ. You know that you know. You have a real relationship. Amen. 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 Front to back, all over the room. I see your hands. Leave your hands up if you, if you have something that you're working on, that God, you need God to work on. Continue to leave those hands up. Okay. Okay. That's a lot of us. A lot of us have some stuff that we're asking God to continue to work on. Okay, let me put your hands down. For those of us that are under the sound of my voice, I want us to pray this prayer. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you, you want that, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with us. Say this prayer with us. And then I want you to meet me at the connections table and tell me if you made that connection. Every head still bowed, every eye is closed. Father in heaven, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he's the savior of the world. Forgive me of my sins and wash them clean. Lord, I believe that my name is recorded in heaven because of this decision I've made today. And I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.